0: Our second Bible reading is Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 22. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now so that you may know about my circumstances as to what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray for God's power to be at work among us as his word is preached. When the prophet Samuel was a boy serving in the temple, he heard God calling his name, and he said to God, Speak, for your servant is listening. Father, we want to make those words our own this morning. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Have you ever joined a gym? and then only very occasionally actually visited it to use the services you signed up for? If so, you're not alone. A few years ago, the NPR podcast Planet Money recorded an episode all about the gap between gym membership and gym usage. That gap is a big one. During the episode, the podcast host visited a gym on the Upper West Side, and it's a gym with a total paying membership of 6,000 people and space for only 300. In other words, the people running that Upper West Side gym are so confident that their members are not actually going to use their gym that they're happy to let the membership balloon to 20 times the gym's total capacity. According to one estimate, of gym usage across America, only 18% of gym members regularly use their gym. The other 82% have access to treadmills and weights and exercise bikes, but they hardly ever make use of the access they have. It seems people love the idea of having access to a gym, but that doesn't translate into making use of that access. What's true of Jim's is also true of God's throne room. We love the idea of access to God, access to the sovereign ruler of the universe. It's thrilling to know we can approach him at any time for his help. But how many of us make use of that access? On a regular basis. It wouldn't surprise me at all if those gym usage stats, 18% regular users, the other 82% not so much, it wouldn't surprise me if those figures are also true of Christians and God's throne room. 18% regularly coming to God with their prayers, the other 82% only occasionally. Well, Paul's instructions on prayer near the end of the book of Ephesians can help all of us. If you're in the 18%, these instructions will encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. If you're in the 82%, these instructions will help you grow in this wonderful part of the Christian life. Progress in prayer is possible. You don't have to stay in the 82%. The door to God's throne room is wide open and Paul's instructions can help all of us make better use of the access we have. There are two headline principles in these verses and the first is that prayer should be all-encompassing, all-encompassing with every prayer and request. Paul says in verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. If you were told that a zoo had every animal in it, well, you'd know right away that any particular animal you wanted to see would be there in that zoo. And you could see it, whether it's a reindeer, an armadillo, a panda, or a sloth, whatever your chosen animal might be, you could see it at the every animal zoo. And it's like that with prayer. We're invited in verse 18 to bring every prayer and request to God in his heavenly throne room. No subject matter is too small or insignificant to be brought to the attention of God in prayer. Prayers for guidance, prayers for strength, prayers for wisdom, prayers for spiritual growth, prayers for provision. Prayers for mission, prayers of confession, prayers of adoration, prayers for healing, prayers for encouragement, prayers for divine intervention, prayers for comfort, prayers for safety, prayers for loved ones, prayers for enemies, prayers for leaders, prayers for unity. I could go on. That was an incomplete list. It's amazing how many things there are to pray for when we grasp that we can pray with every prayer and request. Please don't feel overwhelmed by that long, incomplete list of all the prayers you could pray. Those words in verse 18, with every prayer and request, aren't meant to overwhelm us. They're an invitation. Whatever Is on your heart can be brought to God's attention through prayer. The Bible commentator Frank Thielman puts it well. He says, Prayers should be as varied in their subject matter as the circumstances of life itself. Paul goes on to say, Pray at all times. And that should also be treated as an encouraging invitation. There isn't any occasion that should be treated as a no-prayer occasion. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says something similar, pray without ceasing. And those words have sometimes been interpreted super-literally by some Christians. More than a thousand years ago, a monastery in Switzerland maintained a roster of choirs ceaselessly chanting prayers 24 hours a day 365 days a year apparently the monastery kept that going for over 300 years but i don't think that super literal interpretation is the right way to interpret pray without ceasing that phrase from first thessalonians the best commentary on the bible is always the bible itself And in our first Bible reading earlier in the service, we heard how Daniel continued to pray to the God of the Bible, even when praying to anyone other than the king of Persia was punishable by execution. He kept on praying to the God of the Bible. He prayed without ceasing. He continued to pray three times a day, as we heard in the first Bible reading, just as he had before the king's decree but what about that similar but slightly different phrase in our passage pray at all times pray at all times what happens if we let the bible interpret those words well to start with the bible does warn against the idea that god is more likely to hear us if we send up a huge volume of prayer in the sermon on the mount jesus says when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words they think they will be heard because of their many words more time spent in prayer doesn't mean god is more likely to hear us instead the bible helps us interpret pray at all times by giving us examples of God's people praying in every situation they find themselves in. Samson prays to God while being taunted by the Philistines at one of their religious festivals after they've captured him. Jonah prays from inside a whale. Nehemiah prays while serving wine to King Artaxerxes. Mary prays just after she's been told by the angel Gabriel that she'll give birth while still a virgin. Jesus prays while he's in the middle of dying on the cross. Stephen similarly prays while the enemies of the early church are stoning him to death. Paul prays after a man named Eutychus has just fallen to his death from a window seat while Paul was preaching. I'm sure we all get the idea by now. In the Bible, God's people show by their example that Every occasion, every situation is a suitable time for prayer. That's what Paul means when he says, pray at all times. Putting it differently, we should never treat any occasion as a time out from prayer occasion. We always need God's help and an an arrow prayer to him, even in the midst of an absorbing activity, is always a good idea. Let's not forget last week's passage about the war we're fighting. Remember those words from chapter 6 verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not an accident that these instructions about prayer come immediately after Paul's teaching on spiritual warfare. And the armor of God, how do we put on the six pieces of armor that we heard about last week? We put them on through prayer. That's how God has set things up in his world. He gives us good gifts when we ask for them. And since, as we heard last week, we are in a state of war, we're at war with the devil, and he's an enemy who shouldn't be underestimated, that should certainly stir us up to pray with every. Prayer and request at all times. We've been thinking about how prayer should be all encompassing, without limits on the content or timing of our prayers. But there is one condition imposed on our prayers in verse 18, and prayer is only unlimited if we take this condition into account. Pray at all times in the Spirit, Paul says in verse 18. That's the condition. We need to pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? Thankfully, there's a verse earlier in Ephesians that helps us understand what it means to pray in the Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 18 says, Through Christ we have access in one Spirit to the Father. Through Christ we have access in one Spirit to the Father. We usually think about gaining access to the Father in heaven through Jesus without particularly thinking about the Spirit. We're familiar with the truth that we gain entry into the presence of a holy God only on the basis of Jesus' sacrificial death for us, which makes us acceptable to God, because it pays the price for all our sinful wrongdoing. We're familiar with that glorious truth, and that's why Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, he says in John 14. But how does the Spirit fit in? Well, listen again to Ephesians 2.18. Through Christ, as we've just been hearing about, we have access in one Spirit to the Father. The Spirit empowers our access to the Father through Jesus. Our access to the Father through Jesus is put into effect by the Spirit. He does the work of opening our minds to the truth of God's good news. And opening our eyes to the glory of Christ and opening our hearts to the good things God wants us to receive. The Spirit gives new life. It's the Spirit who makes a person a Christian. So when Paul talks about praying in the Spirit, he's saying we should pray as Christians, as those who have access to God the Father through Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's a very important condition to get a handle on. It should teach us to pray in line with God's Word. As we heard last week, God's Word is the sword of the Spirit. God's Word belongs to the Spirit. The Spirit wields it and pierces hearts with it. If our prayers don't fit in with biblical truth, Christian truth, the biblical worldview, then we're not praying in the Spirit because we've stepped out of line with his word. So, for example, if I ask God to help me break in to the gold vault of the Federal Reserve Bank in the financial district downtown, he's not going to answer that prayer. That's not praying in the spirit. God gives wisdom generously when we ask him for wisdom, but he won't give me the wisdom I would need for removing the Federal Reserve Bank's 497,000 gold bars without getting caught. To ask for that wisdom would not be praying in line with God's word. It wouldn't be praying in the spirit. Prayer should be all-encompassing, but only so long as we're praying in the spirit. Well, let's move on now to the second half of the sermon, the second of the two headline principles in these verses about prayer. Prayer should be outward-facing. Prayer should be outward-facing. One of the most exciting things about prayer is that it gives us a share in what God is doing in the world. Prayer makes us stakeholders in God's activity. Through prayer we can get involved in his work. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician and philosopher in the 17th century. His most famous book is titled Pensées, or Thoughts. And as the title suggests, it's a collection of his thoughts on different topics, including prayer. Thought number 513 begins with these sentences. Why God has established prayer? To give his creatures the dignity of causality. The dignity of causality. the dignity of being involved with God's work, having agency in this world. Pascal understood that without prayer, we would simply be passive observers of God's mighty deeds. But thanks to prayer, we can actively participate in those deeds. And that dignifies us. God graciously chooses to dignify us by doing mighty things in response to our prayers later in thought number 513 pascal carefully adds this rider but to keep his own preeminence god grants prayer to whom he pleases in other words when we cause god to do things that's only because he has first caused us to pray in line with his will I wonder, have you caught this vision for sharing in God's activity by praying in line with his will? Earlier we were thinking about making the most of our access to God's throne room, like those gym members who actually do go to the gym. When we do that, we're not just entering into God's presence in heaven. We're also impacting life on earth as God hears and answers our prayers. Well, that transforms any day into a heaven-entering, world-changing day. That's what prayer does. Prayer transforms any day into a heaven-entering, world-changing day. Paul himself illustrates this. He was in chains, we're told in verse 20. Probably... Chained to a Roman soldier in a house in Rome while his case made its way through the legal system. And yet, Paul knew that even a day in chains could be a heaven entering, world changing day. There are two prayers recorded in this letter, one in chapter one and the other in chapter three, and we can tell from Paul's rich prayers that. The man praying them relished his access to God. Paul relished the dignifying privilege of prayer. And in these verses, in chapter 6, we see that Paul had two outward-facing priorities for prayer. First he says, in the second half of verse 18, Be alert with all perseverance and every request For all the saints, meaning all God's people. And then in verses 19 and 20, he asks for prayer that God would help him with his gospel preaching. Two priorities, praying for God's people and praying for gospel proclamation. And both of those priorities are outward facing. Yes, we can and should pray about our own personal needs. There are countless examples of God's people doing that throughout the Psalms. They're praying for their own needs. But the priorities in these verses in Ephesians 6 encourage us to look outward to the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and to the great need for gospel proclamation in the world. We'll look briefly at each of these two priorities and that will take us through to the end of the sermon. First, God's people. Prayer for all the saints. God's people, both close at hand and far away, need prayer. On our church website, we recommend a monthly prayer guide produced by Barnabas Aid, an organisation devoted to helping persecuted believers. I'll read two of the entries in the Barnabas Prayer Guide for this coming week. It will give you an idea of how greatly God's people need prayer. Wednesday, March 1st, a bomb explosion ripped through an evening baptismal service. On Sunday, January 15th, severing limbs and killing at least 17 people, the terrorist attack took place in North Kivu, an area of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Please pray for the bereaved, the injured and the traumatised survivors of the baptism bombing that the Lord will comfort and heal each one. Friday, March the 3rd. Cry out to the Lord on behalf of Christians in highly authoritarian and repressive Eritrea The Communist authorities of this East African country permit only four expressions of religion – Eritrean Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Lutheran and Sunni Islam. Christian believers from unlawful denominations are vulnerable to arrest and lengthy spells in prison. Often without charge or trial, they can be subject to terrible torture and abuse, with church leaders singled out for especially harsh treatment. Pray that the Lord will protect his people sending them help from his sanctuary i'm sure as you hear those prayer requests that your heart goes out to the believers in that church in north kivu and to the believers imprisoned for their faith in eritrea they need prayer and there are prayer requests like those for every day of the year in the barnabasade prayer guide which is just one prayer guide 365 glimpses into the great needs of God's people, God's persecuted people in particular, in in that prayer guide. But God's people need prayer even in situations like our own, where we have very little persecution, relatively speaking. Every week at Community Group, we share our personal prayer requests, and they're not trivial, they're meaningful. People need prayer. As Paul says in verse 18, perseverance will be required because prayer is one of those things that is so easily picked up for a while and then dropped. I used to pray through that Barnabas monthly prayer guide myself every day and at some point I'm ashamed to say I fell out of the habit. I didn't demonstrate the perseverance that Paul mentions. Prayer for God's people calls for gritty staying power. Paul's second priority is the proclamation of the gospel. Let's look down, please, to verses 19 and 20. Pray on my behalf, Paul says, that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak." Bible scholars think that Paul's letter would have been taken by Tychicus, who's mentioned in verse 21, to churches in and around Ephesus. Those churches owed their existence under God to Paul. God used Paul as his instrument to proclaim the gospel in the city of Ephesus for two intense years. According to Acts chapter 19, by the end of that two-year period, all the residents of the whole province had heard the word of the Lord. That was Paul's job. It was what he'd been commissioned to do by the risen and ascended Jesus. And Paul had already, by the time of writing this letter, demonstrated extraordinary effectiveness in that work. But he wasn't presumptuous. He didn't take it for granted that his effectiveness would continue just as it always had done. And so he asks for prayer, that God would give him the right words to say and that he would say them boldly. Paul describes himself as an ambassador in chains in verse 20. You might be wondering who exactly he could preach to if he was a prisoner shackled to a Roman soldier. Well, it seems from Acts chapter 28 that many people in Rome visited Paul where he was under house arrest, and heard the gospel from him there. The book of Acts closes with these words about Paul. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness, judging by that report at the end of the book of Acts, Paul's prayer request for boldness was granted. People prayed that he would be bold, and he was. The takeaway for us from verses 19 and 20 is that gospel outreach should be a priority in our prayers as a church and also as individuals. Paul was a prisoner, making known the mystery of the gospel even while he was in chains. And that work of making the gospel known is still continuing today. There are still totally unreached parts of the world, and also millions of unreached people in places such as New York City, where the gospel has been continuously preached ever since the city was founded. There is much darkness, ready and waiting for the light of the gospel. We should pray for that light to go in and be heard by people who have not yet heard the good news. When Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel in verse 19, he's referring back to something he explained in chapter 3. For thousands of years God's good news had essentially been good news for just one nation, Israel. But that changed when Jesus came. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 3, verse 6 This mystery is that through the gospel the nations are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Putting Putting that more simply, whoever you are, whatever nation you belong to, you can have Jesus too. You can have the good things he offers, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, membership in his new community, the church, and you can have Jesus himself. Union with him, a personal relationship that never ends. As believers, we know how much Jesus means to us. We should long for others to have Jesus too, for others to hear the good news about him boldly proclaimed so they can believe and be saved. And we should turn that longing into prayer. If you don't know where to start, how to begin praying for the bold proclamation of the gospel, I'd be very happy to talk with you after the service about that. You could also find some practical pointers on the recommended links page of our website to help you pray for mission, for the going out of the gospel. It's bold proclamation. Well, I'm not going to close by saying pray more. Because there may be some people here whose praying is already pleasing in God's sight. So instead of saying, pray more, I'll say, there might be people listening who should pray more. Speaking for myself, my intention is to get back in that habit of praying the daily prayer request in the Barnabas Aid monthly prayer guide. Our access to God's throne room was bought at a price, as we're about to remember, in the Lord's Supper. The curtain into God's throne room was torn because Jesus was torn, because his flesh was torn as he hung on the cross, pierced by those nails in his hands and feet. I wonder if we've become over familiar with the wonder of our access, our free access to God the Father, to His throne room. Jesus had to die for us to have that access. We don't pray more in order to please God, to make Him more pleased with us, to earn His favour. Instead, we pray because Jesus himself has already pleased God and gone to his death for our sake so that we could have this wonderful privilege of prayer. Let's enter God's throne room now. Please bow your heads and I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that we would not see prayer in a legalistic way as something that we have to do to earn your favour so that we might be pleasing enough for you to save us. Help us instead to recognise that we can only pray because Jesus has already pleased you and gone to his death, that we might be saved and enter into your throne room. And since we have this privilege, we pray that you would strengthen us to make full use of it. Show us how to do that. We confess we are um, those who perhaps do not pray as we should. We need your guidance and strength in this area of prayer. And we pray you would generously help us Father, in our praying. We ask this for Jesus' sake, thanking you for him. Amen.